Keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Rise and shine, everybody. It's day 19 of our 90-day challenge. And today's topic is love God for the long haul. Welcome to the book of 2 Chronicles. Today, we're reading 2 Chronicles 26, 1 through 21. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in place of his father Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt Elath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his ancestors. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jecolia. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. He went to war against the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath, Jabneh, and Ashdod. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs and who lived in Gerbal and against the Mayunites. The Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate and at the angle of the wall and he fortified them. He also built towers in the wilderness and dug many cisterns because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. He had people working for his fields and vineyards in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Uzziah had a well-trained army ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers as mustered by Jael, the secretary, and Messiah, the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of his loyal officials. The total number of family leaders over the fighting men was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 men trained for war, a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. Uzziah provided shields, spears, helmets, coats of armor, bows and sling stones for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. They confronted King Uzziah and said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That 
is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and you will not be honored by the Lord. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple. Leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead. So they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous, and banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. And that ends our reading for today. Our worship thought is love God for the long haul. Think about when you got the call that the one you loved the most died. Where were you? Who were you with? How did you respond? Were you driving? Were you cooking? Most of us don't remember what happened before the crisis call, but we surely remember what happened after. My mother woke me up just like any regular day, but instead of her rushing to get out of the house to beat the traffic, she was sitting on the couch like a statue. Grandma Saunders, my grandmother, had passed away. And I was the only one of the cousins who did not end up at the hospital to say goodbye. That was the day I developed a strong hatred for death. A few years later, I answered the phone just like any other day. I knew Lisa had been sick, but I didn't know it was that bad. LaVon, my college friend, called me to tell me that Lisa had died. Lisa, the lady who picked me up for choir rehearsal? Lisa? The lady who asked me to be her child's godfather? Not, not Lisa. Not the Lisa that never complained, always smiled, and when she cried, she really cried. Lisa, what? Shock, anguish, pain, confusion, disbelief hit the room all at once. And yet again, I wasn't in town to tell her goodbye. Months later, another phone call hit my phone. In fact, there were too many missed calls that night to assume this was a regular moment. You know, when you see that many missed calls, your body braces for a sudden landing. This cannot be good. I got Anna on the phone and Maybe she got me. I can't really remember. But all I know is that I was in a dark room again alone. And she said these words, Sean, Sister Smith died. I, I wait, what? Who? Huh? What? Wait, hold on. Sorry. Wait, you've got to be mistaken. Not Johnny Mae Smith, the longest standing member of the church. Not Sister Smith, the live in Sunday school teacher, cafeteria worker, best friend to my grandmother, Sister Smith. What happened? She wasn't even sick. She was working that day. She had gotten her hair done. She was just shouting son in the gospel to me the week before, the night before. When is the last time I spoke to Sister Smith? It's so crazy that when death happens, it always seems like you had just spoken to them yesterday. Sister Smith was the most difficult loss at that time to hear over the phone. Once again, I was not there to help my family process this transition. Sister Smith had been perfectly fine. She walked up her regular three flights of stairs as usual that day, sat down in her position for prayer to begin, always got to church on time, smiled and waved at my grandmother before she went upstairs to grab her Bible. She proceeded to begin prayer service. A handful of attendees joined 
Sister Smith for the first hour of prayer. Everything was normal. It was a regular Tuesday night. They could hear Sister Smith whispering her regular prayer. Sometimes she would scream. Other times she would sing. But you always and I mean always heard Sister Smith. And then they heard nothing. It was time to transition from prayer to Bible study and they heard nothing. They turned on the main lights to move on to the next part of the service and Sister Smith's body did not move. Her legs dangled lifelessly in the pulpit between the preacher seat and the guest preacher, the same place where we all stood to read announcements, greet the congregation, give the word, raise the offering, lift up the prayer. The same exact place was the place where Sister Smith died. Sister Smith had long faith. She had strong faith. She had the kind of eternal faith that never dies. Everything she did reflected the heart of God. Everything she said was a prayer and a praise. Her life taught me that true riches are immaterial. She had that God glow, the kind of glow that said, I've been with God and I ain't going nowhere. Was life perfect for her? No. Sister Smith was married to her husband for almost 40 years and he did not know the Lord, but she served him until the day she died. She didn't have millions in the bank, but her library was filled with Sunday school books for decades. I can see her handwriting right now. Sister Smith was the kind of person you could trust with your life. Her faith was the complete opposite of King Isaiah's, whom we met in First Chronicles 26. You see, scripture reveals that Isaiah started well. He was made a king at the young age of 16. He reigned for 52 years of his life. All he knew was what it was like to be a king. He is one of the few kings, however, listed in the Old Testament who start out with these words. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but his ending concludes with these words. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord, his God. Go back, go back and read first and second Chronicles over the weekend. And you will see that the writer basically polarizes or memorializes the kings of the Old Testament in one of two ways. Either they did right in God's sight or they did not. I wonder if that's a word in itself. When your eyes close for the last time on earth, what will others say about you? Will they ultimately say that you did right in God's sight or will they say she was great, but she was always distracted? Will they say he was nice, but he was an alcoholic? Will they say she was addicted to work and never made time to breathe? Will they say he loved to go to church, but had no social life outside of it? What will be said about you after you? Isaiah was doing so well until he started believing his own press. Power and pride are poisonous to the soul. They ruin your perspective and they deceive you into believing you can function in a role or thrive in a position that you were never called to in the first place simply because you got power. Just because you have money, however, doesn't mean you can be a president. Just because you have land doesn't mean you can own slaves, but power and pride can poison your perspective. The Bible says when he became powerful. And that choice of phraseology is so interesting to me because Isaiah was always powerful. But at one point he started to believe it. Arrogance and ego are a trip. Pride is a punk. I'm reminded of the scripture that says pride goes before destruction 
I used to misquote that scripture all the time. I used to say pride comes before destruction, but that's not what it says in Proverbs 16, 18. Actually, it says pride goeth King James Version before destruction. In other words, the moment you need pride to stick up for you, it runs away. It goes and leaves you to be exposed naked and unashamed. Worshippers, don't let pride creep up on you. Don't let power pollute you. Live a life like Sister Smith, not King Isaiah. Have long faith and watch God reward you. Unfortunately, King Isaiah's days ended in isolation with an illness that publicly revealed an inside problem. Isaiah died with leprosy. Until the day he died, he lived in a separate house banned from the temple of the Lord. And I pray that we will all learn from Isaiah's life. And for everyone reading this or hearing this, I pray you will read these words with me aloud right now and repeat after me. God, give me long faith. God, cut down ego, cut down pride, cut down power from my life. Help me never to believe my own hype. Help me to receive encouragement from others. But don't let it get to my head. Keep me low so life doesn't have to cut me down. In Jesus name. Amen. So what is your worship work today? It is to love God long. Remember, it is not just enough to love God when God is doing good things. It's also important to love God for the long haul. With that in mind, I want you to write your own obituary. How would you like to be remembered? Then commit to living a life that matches the words you wrote down. Lord, if I find favor in your sight, Lord, please hear my heart's cry. I'm Favor in your sight. Lord, please, Lord, please. Hear my heart's cry. I'm desperately
are Gotta be where you are I wanna be where you are Gotta be where you are Come on, raise it before I'm say Wanna be where you are Gotta be Gotta be Everything I need is where